0: the apostle paul writes in romans chapter three for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by christ jesus i'd like to invite you to take a moment to confess and to name before god this morning the sin of your life to pray for yourself and others who come to your mind this morning And then I will close our time in just a moment by voicing our prayer aloud. So join me and let us pray in silence together. We praise you, O Creator God, for being who you are, a God of compassion, of love, of healing, who does indeed forgive all our sin and bring us back into relationship with you through your Son, Jesus our Lord. We pray this morning for physical, emotional, relational and spiritual healing for ourselves and for others who are around us that whatever disease or dis-ease that is afflicting our lives that your healing hand would be upon us now we ask especially today for strength and comfort for persons who are sad and grieving because of some loss in their lives that you would restore their sense of hopefulness and confidence in you we pray this morning O oh God for our new president and vice president and for all current leaders in our country at all levels of government asking as your word instructs us to do that your wisdom and your insight would be theirs we ask O oh God that you would help each of us put aside the political and social and cultural and economic divisions in our country and in our world so that we might truly come together for the common good for our world for which your son came and died. We ask you this morning, God, to bless this, our church, but also all faith communities, that we all might together join you in the work of your kingdom, in our communities, and in our world. Forgive us, O God, for the sin of disunity. Forgive us, God, for the times when we have allowed personal preferences to become more important than the message of Christ's love and forgiveness. Forgive us, God, for the times when we have been intolerant and overcritical of one another. Forgive us, God, for wounding Christ's body The Universal Church and even our local churches again and again causing you grief. We pray, God, this morning for parents and children who do not have adequate health care or food or shelter or educational opportunities. For refugees who have been caught between opposing ideologies that has resulted in war. For people who are seeking you but amidst the distractions or the addictions or the grief from some loss or doubt or confusion or maybe just simple apathy they have not found you we ask you God to use us to be your hands to be your feet to be your voice to proclaim your love a love that never fails us and that with you there is peace and purpose for the days that are yet to come so god this is our prayer this morning and we pray it now in the name of the one who taught us to pray and join me and let us pray the lord's prayer together our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
1: Let me invite the children who are here this morning to come to the front and join me for a special time of worship together. Good morning, how are you guys doing? You know, I, I was thinking about a song. I guess music people always think about songs. But I was thinking about this song this week, and I got confused about the words. Maybe you can help me figure things out. It's a song that we've sung at this worship hour at 940. It's a song that actually they're going to sing today at Emerge. And the song is, Open the Eyes of My Heart okay? You remember that song. Now, here's where I got confused. As I look at you, and I look at all these people out here, where are our eyes located? In our head, aren't they? Well, this song says what? Open the eyes of my heart. Hmm. Now, do you really think we have eyes in our heart? I've never seen a heart up close but I just don't think there's eyes in my heart. So I started thinking, maybe there's something else that they're wanting to talk to about. And, you know, the song goes, Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. And so I almost think it may be a prayer to ask God to open the eyes of my heart. Well, the word that came to my mind was compassion. Now, that's a big word, isn't it? It's not a word that you might hear every day. And you say, hmm, I don't even know what it means. Ah, I really think you might. I'm going to give you an example. Say, for example, you're at school. It's recess. It's playground time. You're out there, and you and your best friends are on the swing. You're swinging as high as you possibly can, and all of a sudden the teacher yells, it's time to go back in. Well, you start to slow down, and your friend does one of the high jumps and comes down and doesn't quite land on their feet and falls and scrapes their knee. By the time you get off the swing, you run over there, and your friend is crying. There's a little bit of blood on their knee, and you have two options. The teacher says it's time to go back so you could take off and run and leave your friend, or you could sit down beside your friend and say, it'll be okay, I'll be here with you, you don't have to cry, you want me to go get a teacher, you want me to go get a band-aid, it'll be okay. Now that, if you choose option number two, if you sit down with your friend, that is showing compassion. Another word might be showing care, concern, love, for your friend. You're helping a friend who has a need, a hurt. And so I think that song is a prayer asking God to say, God, if I see people around me who are hurting, who have needs, who might be crying, who might be lonely, help me. If I've got a way to help them, let me do that. Now, some people, unfortunately, choose option one and they'll turn around and go the opposite direction but God wants us to help doesn't he he wants us to show grace and mercy and love and then today our pastor is going to uh, tell us a story from the Bible about Jesus going down a road and he shows compassion so we'll have to listen to that story and find out what exactly what happens this morning But maybe it will be our prayer that God will always open the eyes of our heart. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, it is our prayer that you would open the eyes of our heart so that we might see you and that we might see the needs of others. Amen.
0: Our reading from the scripture this morning is in Acts chapter 9. I'd invite you to take your Bibles and join me as you follow along as I read the text. We were in Acts chapter 8 last Sunday, and we began a time that we'll spend several weeks on looking at some of the biblical roads. Last week we looked at the Gaza Road where Philip the Evangelist met an Ethiopian treasury official. And this morning, we're going to be on the Damascus Road. You know, we're all on a road to somewhere. We're all on a journey. And Paul, at this point in his life, known as Saul, Saul is his Hebrew name. Later, he would take the name of Paul, a Roman name, a Latin name that uh, more accurately described his new phase of life after having met Jesus. But at this point, he is Saul. This is probably. One of the most famous conversion stories that we have, if not the most famous in Scripture. So follow along with me as we read about the conversion, the coming of Saul to know Jesus. And notice that there is more than one conversion experience in the story. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there belonging to the way, now I'm going to pause there because that word way was probably probably the earliest description or title of people who followed Jesus. It is used six times in the book of Acts, people who follow the way. Speaking of the way of Jesus. So if there are any who belong to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? who are you Lord Saul replied, asked I am Jesus whom you are persecuting he replied now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do the men traveling with Saul stood there speechless they heard the sound but did not see anyone Saul got up from the ground But when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on straight street and asked for a man from Tarsus named Saul for he is praying in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight Lord Ananias answered I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your Saints in Jerusalem And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings, and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. he regained his strength sisters and brothers in christ this is the word of the lord thanks be to god well indeed this story of saul slash paul really is probably one of the better known if not the best known conversion stories of the bible as he's traveling down this road to Damascus indeed it may be the best conversion story that we have in all of Christian history it's dramatic it's transforming a sworn enemy of the cause of Christ with an impeccable Jewish resume into a humbled temporarily blind prayerful man who later becomes the greatest missionary that the church has ever known and probably the greatest theologian that we've ever had. In case you don't know or have forgotten, the Apostle Paul, out of the 27 books of our New Testament, wrote 13 of them. So he has given us almost one half of our New Testament. Now, I don't know about you, but I find it hard not to measure my coming to know Jesus in light of this great conversion experience of the Apostle Paul. I don't know about you, but my conversion experience, as far as I know, does not entail persecuting Jesus. My conversion experience does not include lightning. My conversion experience doesn't include a voice calling my name. My conversion experience doesn't include blindness and going without food and water for three days. And my conversion experience of coming to know Jesus does not involve another man coming to me and laying his hands on me and scales of blindness falling off of my eyes. Now, maybe that happened that way with you, but it didn't happen that way with me. I mean, my coming to know Jesus at the age of nine and a half at a royal ambassador camp at Camp Carraway in Ashborough, had none of these elements that the apostle Paul has with his conversion story. But here's a man, and I mean he is the man. If you know anything about the life of Paul, you know he was the man from Tarsus. He goes to Jerusalem and studies under the renowned teacher Gamaliel. You understand? that he has this impeccable Jewish resume he is the Jew of all Jews he is a Pharisee in fact in Philippians chapter 3 Paul tells us a little bit about his resume he says if any other man thinks that he has reason for confidence in the flesh I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin A Hebrew born of Hebrews as to the law a Pharisee as to zeal a persecutor of the church and as to righteousness under the law blameless so here's Paul and you know the story we just read it he secures the permission from the high priest to make that hundred and forty mile journey that would have taken him about a week to walk it from Jerusalem to Damascus And he goes there to arrest men and women who are connected with the way. And that's when Jesus, through the lightning, calls the voice of that renegade. And three days later, thanks to Ananias, this physically blinded and spiritually impaired Saul, eventually becomes Paul, that great apostle, that great theologian, a man who is resurrected to new life in Jesus. So... My childhood conversion and coming to know Jesus includes nothing of that dramatic story that we've just read about Paul. And yet, I want to remind you this morning that your conversion to Jesus and my coming to know Jesus has a commonality and a similarity with the Apostle Paul's. Here's the commonality. Every one of us in this room are sinners saved by God's grace we are broken we are a part of a fallen world that occurred starting in Genesis chapter 3 and unfortunately continues to the present and if you want to give any kind of appearance that you have your life all put together and that you're perfect and blameless and you have no problems in your life Let's just go ahead and say right now that we all know that you're lying. And I am too, if I tell you that story. Every one of us in this room are broken. We are sinners saved by God's grace. And based on the work of Jesus on that cross, that's where we find his forgiveness. That's the commonality. We may have different conversion stories of coming to know Jesus. The one commonality is we all start out at the point of our sinfulness and of our need of a Savior. But but here's something that I I think we have to be careful about our conversion experience. I, I think every one of us can slip into the fallacy of thinking that there's only one conversion experience that we have or that we need in our life. This story about Paul's conversion experience reminds us that there are and probably should be multiple conversions to Jesus in our lifetime. Because indeed, if what Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3 is true, you must be born again. Then, when you come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you are born again, it means that you are a spiritual baby. You are a spiritual infant in Christ. And the fact is, if we begin our life with Jesus as spiritual babies and infants, then we got to grow up, don't we? And so, therefore, we need to allow Jesus to form. Or convert his heart and mind into ours so that all that we think and do and say reflects the heart and the mind of Jesus so we've got to move from baby infant status and grow up now that's what the Bible calls sanctification it's the growing it's the maturing in Jesus so if all of that's true then we need to understand and see this morning that there's a second conversion story In this text it's a story that detours from the Damascus Road over to straight Street with our friend Ananias because you see Ananias is like I would guess most of us in this room he's like you and me he's already a believer in Jesus according to the story but keep in mind The story of Jesus has only been in effect in terms of his death and his resurrection just a few years. I mean, not that many years. So Ananias is a baby in Christ. He's got to grow up. He's got to mature a little bit. And so God appears to him in this story. And he tells him to go to Saul. I want you to go to Saul, and I want you to make sure that you put your hands on him so that you so that he can see. And it's kind of interesting. I think there's some humor in this story. You may not see it initially, but there really is some humor because Ananias informs Saul or informs God that Saul is a persecutor of his church. As if God doesn't even know that it's true. Hey God, I've heard that Saul's in town. And in case you don't know, he's a persecutor of your people. Well, God knew. But you see, the fact is, Ananias had to change his heart and his mind. He had to have a conversion experience. He had to repent. You know, know, the word repent, interestingly, we forget, means to change your mind. You thought, this was the case but indeed over here may be the case ananias was faced with God confronting him about a new reality about Saul and ananias had to repent he had to change his mind he had to change his heart he had to allow God to convert him again so that Ananias could be used for God's purposes and the fact is then Saul's conversion on that road to Damascus was going to be made complete on that straight street because Ananias was open to repentance changing his heart and mind having a new conversion experience now here's the question for us this morning what kind of new conversion God leading you to experience right now what kind of conversion is God leading you to experience in your attitude about something or someone see Ananias had an attitude about Saul that needed changing and converting what what kind of conversion is God trying to work within you and me this morning about our thinking about something, about how we speak on a regular basis to others, about some action or behavior. You see, most of us, and let's just be honest for a minute, most of us wrestle with some sin consistently throughout our life Even after our initial conversion to Jesus. I'm convinced that everybody in the world is addicted to something. I don't know what your addiction is, but you got one. If you have blood and you breathe. If you're a human being. Don't fool yourself into thinking you're not addicted to something. Every one of us in this room has some addiction. We've got some habit. Or we've got some painful wound that is holding us back from being all that God created us and intended us to be. Just like Ananias, we may have some sin. We may have some prejudice. We've got some way of thinking or behaving or doing some attitude that is slowly but surely rotting away our faith. And we may not even see it or be aware of it. And the fact is, God may not be able to use us fully in the way that he intended at our birth unless we open our eyes and see that sin that is eating away deep within us. About 16 months ago, thanks to the careful eye of the termite inspector at my house, crawling beneath the crawl space of my house, his eye fell upon something that I'm so grateful that it fell upon. And it was not a termite tunnel. I'm glad to say that. But there was some rotten wood, beneath our house on the outer band above the brick foundation that looked like it had been rotting for some time so we hired someone who could do some structural repairs beneath our house and they went under and tore out all of that rotten wood it took an entire day to do and to replace it and after they were finished they they said to us they said you know that water because some water had been coming in the house that water has probably come in your house by way of your brick on the outside and it's probably run down the walls on the inside between the sheetrock and the brick it's probably run down and it's hit that outer band of that wood over the course of time so you might want to check that out so we did And the way you have to check that out to be completely sure of what's going on is you have to go on the inside of your house and tear out sheetrock, painted sheetrock. So we went in our dining room where the section, the suspected section was, and we tore out about six feet of sheetrock, and sure enough on the inside what we found was wet insulation rotted studs in the wall strange bugs in the wood that was actually eating the wood such that there were some sections of the stud that were not even there now, now how did all this happen Well, apparently what was happening over the course, not of just a few weeks or a few months, but years, water was coming off of our roof, and it was hitting the side of the brick that was protruding out at that point. Brick is porous material, and also if you have even just a few short little places of missing brick mortar, water has an amazing way of finding its way into your brick and through that brick mortar and it was coming through and running down and making the insulation wet and rotting out those studs and rotting out the outer bands and so we had to come back and spray the brick to waterproof it and then we had to go in and add gutters folks would you like to take up a love offering for me this morning Because I spent a lot of money in 2016 repairing something that I didn't even know was there. And the reality is, what, what everything could have been, I mean, could have been prevented completely if I had just known to have some gutters on that section where the water is coming off and some deflectors such that the water would not, you know, hit the brick, but go into the gutter and run out to the ground. All of that wood rot, all of that damage was going on beneath us and around us, and we didn't even know it. I wonder how much junk and sin and bad habits and addictions are lurking beneath the surface of your life I wonder how much of that junk and sin is permeating the structure of your life over the course of time it's not happening just in the last few days it hasn't been occurring just in the last few weeks or the last few months it's been going on for years and years and years Those ugly, mean-spirited attitudes. The incorrect information that you've assimilated into your life and created a worldview that may not accurately be God's worldview. Harmful prejudices. Hurtful words. Actions and behavior that is not Christ-honoring. And slowly but surely, over the course of time, it has rotted out the core of who we are. It doesn't negate the first conversion experience that we had in coming to know Jesus, but nevertheless, it's something that we've allowed to creep into our lives, and fools that we are, we can't even see it ourselves. It's hidden behind the wall, it's hidden beneath the crawl space. You know, there are other Saul's out there who need to be on the Damascus Road and they need to know Jesus. They need to have that first-time conversion experience and you and I might just be his chosen messengers to bring that word of healing, to bring that word of salvation to some other Saul that's in our life. But here's the thing you and I both need to pay attention to those conversions might not occur if we buy into the myth that salvation and conversion to Jesus is a one-time only deal when in reality folks There is much every day in our lives to repent over. There is much change that needs to occur deep within ourselves. There is much rotten wood beneath the crawl spaces of our lives that needs eradicating and removing and cleansing and healing by God's grace, God's forgiveness. And it has to occur before God can use us To help change somebody else's life. I learned a long time ago. That you can't give. To someone else. What you don't already have. So if you're going to be an agent. Of God's healing. And God's forgiveness. And God's love. And God's peace. That conversion initially. And those multiple conversions. Have to be active first. In your life. We're going to sing a hymn this morning, number 563, Open My Eyes That I May See.